Hey everybody, I'm Ashita and welcome to my podcast. Now, there aren't that many influential women in the Mahabharata, right? Wrong! Many women helped radically change the course of the Mahabharata. However, they are rarely spoken about. Who are they? Let's find out with my wonderful friends, Pearl and Irina. Yeah, let's find out. Who are these women? I really want to know. Hello everyone, um, I'm Pearl, a 12-year-old from Dubai. Um, first of all, thank you so much, Ashita, for inviting me here to share about um, the women of Mahabharata, and I'm extremely excited to be a part of this podcast. Same here. I'm Araina Nangalya from Mumbai, and I'm really, really, really excited to listen to this podcast with you, Ashrita. Oh, that's really sweet. Thanks. So, th- speaking about the Mahabharata, who, what are characters do you guys know? Um, I know about um, Arjun, then I know about Krishna, the Pandavas, and the Kauravas. Same here, I know about Arjun, the Kauravas, the Pandavas. Okay, now, speaking of the Pandavas, do you know that they had a common wife? Known as Draupadi. She was a princess born in Panchal. She was King Dripata's daughter and hence is known as Draupadi. Do you want to hear her story? Yes, please. Yes, let's start. Okay, so now King Dripada and Dronacharya went to the same ashrama as boys. But soon they had to part ways. King Drupada promised Dronacharya that they would be friends forever and that if he ever needed anything, he would just have to come to his kingdom court and he would give him half of his kingdom. One day, Dronacharya grew up to be a great guru. However, he was very poor. He had a son named Ashwatthama. They were so poor, they could not even afford milk. When Drona's wife, saw her son being bullied because he didn't taste milk, he came and asked her for milk. She she unable uh, to afford milk, she mixed some rice flour with water and gave it to him. Poor boy, he didn't understand, taste, drank it and started jumping around joyfully. I had milk! I had milk! Dronacharya witnessed all this in silence and decided that he could not struggle with poverty anymore and had to give his son a better life. He went to King Drupada's court to ask for a cow. By now, Drupada had, um, let's just say he had become a bit arrogant. And at this point, he thought that he was the greatest person in the world. When uh, Drona entered, Drupada was ashamed to call him his friend. He rudely said, if you are begging for arms, go to the courthouse. They are serving the leftover food there. Dronacharya extremely hurt went out. Soon, he decided he he could not tolerate the insult and decided to become the Pandava's priest. He he in, he kept in mind this insult from the this insult from Drupada and thought that he will soon take revenge. Soon, it came time for the princess to give Guru Dakshina. 
he when Arjuna came and asked Adro, Drona what he can give as Guru Dakshina, he said that he has to go and capture King Dripada and come. The Kauravas said they did not want to share the glory and went and tried. However, Dripada was a far was far too good a warrior for them to face. They came back defeated. Arjuna, on the other hand, went with only the Pandava brothers, captured Dripada successfully, and came back to Drona. Drona then, uh, Drona then gave Dripada half of his kingdom and said that they could now be friends as they were finally equals. Dripada kept this insult in mind and went back. Now, after some time, Dripada said that he Dripada burned with anger at this insult. He was captured, his kingdom taken from him, and then it being given back to him as literal arms. He felt very bad and decided to perform a yagna for a child. In fact, two children. He was, however ashamed he was, he admired Arjuna and desired a daughter who could marry him. Also, he desired a son who would later grow up to kill Drona. Out of after the yagna, out of the fire, was born Draupadi and her brother Drishtadyumna. Cool story, right? That is really cool. I never knew that. Thank you so much. Yeah, that really sparked my mind. This topic is so interesting. Do you want to hear the rest? Of course. Oh, definitely. Now. Draupadi did go on to marry the Pandavas. She also ended up bringing about the war, which ended the Kuru household. And then that finally fulfilled Drupada's lust for revenge. That's interesting. Wow, that is such a twist of events. Ashita, I had a question for you. May I ask? Sure. So, just how you talked about, um, you know, the Mahabharata, the, when you spoke, you, when you told me that you were talking about the topic Mahabharata, a sudden question just came into my mind. Could you please explain what the origin of the Mahabharata is? Sure. There are actually many, many stories, but the most interesting one that I have is a folk tale. Would you like to hear it? Oh, yes. So, long ago, the sages and the gods were um, performing a puja in the forest known as Naimisharnya. Okay, it was in, I guess, uh, around present-day Uttar Pradesh. They asked Yama, the, you know, the god of death, to take care of the arrangements. Yama became so busy with organizing the yagna that he started neglecting his duties. Once he started neglecting his duties, no human died on the earth for a long, long time. Indra, who, as we know, was a little bit of an insecure god, was immature, arrogant, and thought to himself, what is the difference between gods and humans if humans don't die anymore? We will lose our importance and in time, nobody will worship us. And then he went and he started scolding Yama. Later, it didn't work. Later, he went to Brahma and asked him, Father, you know the humans are born to die. Look how Yama is just taking care of the arrangements and not taking care of his godly duties. 
Isn't this against your principles? Brahma smiled with wisdom and said, Don't worry, Indra. Yagna will end soon and Yama will go back to his job. Have patience. Everybody knows their priorities and responsibilities. Indra, being Indra, wasn't happy. So, he went to talk to Yama. So, he went off uh, across the for- to the forest to find Yama. On the journey, he came to the river Ganga. When he was about to cross to the other side, he saw a beautiful, stunning golden lotus in the water. He decided to find out where it came from. So, he traced the origin of the lotus as best as he could and reached the spot near some hills. There, he found a beautiful young woman crying silently. Each tear that fell from her cheek turned into a golden lotus. He started questioning her about why he was crying and sympathizing. She didn't answer. She just stood up, continued crying and climbing up the hills. Indra saw how beautiful she was and continued to follow her. Once he reached the top of the hill, he saw a handsome young couple playing chess. He was, you know, he was aware of his status as king and expected people to stand up and give him ample respect. Of course, they were both too busy and neither of them even stood up. Can I ask something, Ashrita? Yeah, sure. So the uh, girl who was crying in the droplets from her eyes or the golden lotus, who was she? Nobody really knows. But once I finish the story, you will see what a good, what an important role she played in the formation of the Mahabharata. That's interesting. So she's kind of like the unknown girl of Mahabharata. Yeah, she is. Once I finish though, you will see how very important she is. I would love to hear you continue. Okay. So, um, they were too busy to stand up and they didn't even look in his direction. He armed himself with his weapon, Vajrayuda, the thunderbolt, and was about to strike the man and kill them. But he got, when the man just turned and looked at him, um... When they turned and looked at him, what happened was, he just kind of froze. So, what was happening was the only thing running in his mind. After they finished the spot, the young man called to him. This time, Indra was able to move. The young man looked at Indra and scolded him for being arrogant. Then he said that if he was really the king of the gods, he should be able to move the mountain in the distance. The young man tried, the, the young, the Indra tried with all his might but was unable to move the mountain. The young man stopped him and took over. He turned the mountain around easily until Indra saw four people lying on the plateau. It seemed like they had been stuck there for a long, long time. The young man said, they are all the Indras who came before you. You will join them soon. Then, uh, you know, he started begging for forgiveness and then he asked, to tell, he asked them to reveal their identities. Then they transformed into Shiva and Parvati. Shiva said, you are at Mount Kailash, a reward. He started scolding him again, that he should not, he would never be able to hold on to his throne if he continued to be arrogant, insecure, jealous and impatient. Then, when you saw the beautiful lady, you just followed her without asking where she was going. When you see someone, you expect them to give you a reason, respect without reciprocating. 
These are the reasons why you lose wars against Asadas and even humans. When you lose, a new Indra takes the position as king of the gods. Now, Indra became afraid that he was going to trap him under the mountain too. So, he begged, I don't want to be stuck there forever. Shiva took pity and said, As punishment, you will be born on the earth, but as good human beings. You will have courage and will be remembered for your good deeds long after you leave your mouth alive behind. You will take the help of Vishnu and aid the fight against evil to save Dharma. The lady who brought you here will become your wife in the mortal life. Once this life ends, you will return to heaven. They agreed. And then they requested. We want uh, Vishnu and the gods like Yama, Vayu and the physical uh, physicians Ashwini Kumaras to guide us through our mortal lives. Then Shiva nodded and turned to the beautiful maiden. You will be the most important woman in their respective lives. Adharma has become prevalent and to balance the law of nature, there must be a big war. Only then can Dharma prevail and to the end, you will become the reason for the initiation of that war. Shiva went to Vishnu. Vishnu said, I will be born as Krishna. My serpent Adishesha will be born as Balrama. Draupadi will be considered to be my sister and she will become the cause of the big war. But it is I who will destroy Adharma with the help of the five Pandava brothers. These five brothers, who are none other than the five Indras, will receive constant guidance and supervision from me, and at the end of it all, Dharma will reign once more. The person who will take Yama's help was born as Dharmaraja. The person who took Vayu's help was born as Bhima. The current Indra was born as Arjuna. The twins who take the Ashwini Kumara's help were born as Nakul and Sahadev. That's how the war of Mahabharata was designed by Shiva. Today, the forest of Naimisharanya is known as Neemsar in the state of Uttar Pradesh. Wow, I know I had heard this story somewhere, but I didn't know it was so detailed. What an amazing twist of events. It's so nice. Ashwa, yeah, I know. Yeah? I've, I've always wanted to know about Shiva's daughter. I'd heard that there were many rumors on what she had done in the, during the Mahabharata. But I never knew what she really did. Could you please tell her? Ashita, isn't Shiva's daughter's name something uh, related to Ashoka? Uh, you're uh, partially correct, actually. Shiva's daughter's name was Ashoka Sundari, but not really related uh, to the Emperor Ashoka. Would you like to hear her story? Yeah, that sounds really, really interesting. Okay, here we go. So, you know how um, Shiva had many sons, like he had two sons, but they were always busy in saving the world, penance, etc., right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Parvati soon became tired of being left alone at home and just not having anything meaningful to do. So, she went to Kalpraviksha in Indra's garden, the divine wish-granting tree, and asked for a daughter. Out of that wish was born a beautiful girl named Ashoka Sundari. Ah, okay. Wow. Now, Ashoka Sundari is actually, um, let's say, the Pandava's earliest ancestor. Okay. 
so you basically mean so, that ashoka was also ashoka sundari was also connected to the pandavas that's so cool yes she is actually um if you think about it she is actually the reason for their birth ashoka sundari married a prince named nahusha they were prophesied to be married long before they were even born they were the they were known as ashoka sundari was known as the most beautiful and wise maiden and nahusha was known as the best candidate for king of the land so naturally they got married and they had a son named yayati ah okay it's basically like ashoka sundari the son of shiva married some ancestor of pandavas that's so cool That's yeah. Right. But the story of Yayati is a long and beautiful one that actually uh, that actually explains how Krishna is connected to the Pandavas. Would you like to hear that? Yeah. Obviously, that's so cool. I know. Okay. So here's the story. Um. So there is the king of the Asuras was you know forever fighting with the king of the gods. as they both represented opposite sides the side of good and the side side of evil so the asura king um had a guru in his court named shukracharya who helped him decide battle plans etc now that guru shukracharya had a daughter named devayani the king had a daughter named sharmishta they both grew up to be close friends as we can see that even nowadays when two parents are co workers their kids are you know likely to be friends and work together so same thing happened here devyani and sharmishta grew up very close and one day they both went to swim in the forest with the other royal princesses when they went there they kept playing and got lost in the moment by the time they realized what was happening it had already become dark they decided to head home in the dark devyani picked up sharmishta's clothes by mistake so she um, wore she wore her silk sari when sharmishta saw what had happened she did not understand that it was an honest mistake grabbed the clothes of devyani and threw her t- a cotton sari at her then enraged sharmishta pushed devyani into a dry well and left her there she went back to the palace and then after some time started regretting her decision but it was too late Devyani cried for help from the well for more many many hours. Eventually, help came in the form of King Yayati. King Yayati held out his right hand, which Sharmishta, which Devyani grasped with her right hand, which indicated that they must now be married. So they got married, and when Devyani went home and told her father about the course of events, he went to the king's court and created a scene, saying. that he would never ever help the king ever again unless sharmishta went to devayani's husband's home as her maid a royal princess as a guru's daughter's maid oh my god i never expected it to be so like it's full of twists There is a lot of fighting also included. The fighting between the two girls. Oh my god, that is so hilarious. True, I feel like um, kids are like 
people who fight now it's like the the fights are really small and like in the older times the fights that used to take place were much more important um but yeah arayana and ashita now i was never a big fan of the mahabharata before but slowly um as i grow older i kind of know the importance of the history of the mahabharata so i would like to ask you both um the any one underrated woman that you kind of you know think is really powerful but like she's underrated um i think according to your story ashoka sundari was a really powerful one but she was never given the importance that she needed right okay um actually uh, at the end of the story i will tell you another story about a very very important woman who i would say was i guess my favorite underrated female character in the mahabharata okay that's cool shall i continue yeah sure okay so now when ayati uh, and devyani went to the palace shamisha followed as a maid because she felt that her kingdom's happiness was more important than hers she also regretted pushing her you know like childhood best friend into the well now when they reached the palace after some years ayati and devyani had two sons yadu and turvasu soon one day yayati was uh, was in uh, walk taking a walk around the palace gardens when he saw sharmishta living in a small hut he was attracted to her queenly demeanor and soon they fell in love and had three kids puru anu and druhyu the names rhyme so well you know it's kind of hilarious but i guess maybe there's a lesson in it now after uh, some year after some time devyani found out about her husband having sons with another woman she was enraged and went to her father to complain her father where obviously he's uh, shukracharya he's actually as famous for his temper as durvasamuni so what he did was he cast a curse on yayati turning him into an old man yayati went to him and begged for forgiveness and shukracharya feeling sorry for him said that if one of his sons exchange the youth with his old age then he could retain his young then he could retain his youth for some more time yayati went back and asked his two older sons from devyani yadu and tarvasu both of them point blank refused to give up their uh, youth on the other hand when he went to shadmishta's sons puru readily stepped up and agreed to exchange his youth for his father's old age after some time yayati realized the futility of youth and exchanged with his son again he died and proclaimed puru as the next ruler as yadu and turvasu were selfish he then de- he deemed them not f- unfit to rule a kingdom puru is i guess you could say one of the another of the ancestors of the pandavas direct ancestor i mean yadu's descendants were called the yadavas and they were cursed by their father to never hold the throne that's why even though krishna was we could uh, was can be argued as one of the most important characters was never actually a king
Wow, that's twisted. <laughs> that is really good. Um, though I never expected something like the Mahabharata would be something so interesting and something so like something so good. Like earlier, as I told you guys before, also I never really liked um the Mahabharata, but like now as you're telling us these event. eventful events i guess you can say um i think it's just interesting me more in the mahabharata and yeah thank you so much ashita i should really be honest the story is so mesmerizing i mean the bloodline continues it's like full story gambles and everything it's so cool i know right that this story i actually read the story in one of um you know sudhamurthy has written a series on mythology right i actually read this story there and that is what got me hooked on the mahabharata i read it in the middle of the lockdown i guess and then after that i just became hooked i was researching every day i bought so many books on the mahabharata and i read so much and to this day that obsession is not done that's so cool i've never seen a person Obsessed over Mahabharata. That's so nice, and you're continuing I, the story that you shared in India. That's so nice. I feel like lockdown has really brought um all of us something new to explore. Definitely, other than the pandemic, of course. Um, but yeah, it's really you know something that I if I feel like every uh person should kind of. dive into it and kind of know because it's such an interesting part of um part of our indian history you know okay now you know, uh, now let's wrap up with one last story about um let's say the patriarch of the kuru family that we know any guesses i'm not familiar with this i'm so not familiar I don't have any idea so please go ahead. Okay now you've heard of Bhishma right? Yeah. Yes. He has a very interesting origin story. Like quite possibly the most interesting one that I have ever read. Okay. So go ahead tell us what this interesting story is. I mean, since you are so attached to the Mahabharata, you are probably you have good taste in interesting stuff. So go ahead. If you insist. So there was a king named Shantanu who was born into the Kuru family. So I guess you can say he is a descendant of Kuru after twenty-five to thirty plus generations. So he's like a distant descendant of Kuru. Now. uh shantanu he uh, he was walking along the river one day okay when he saw a beautiful lady and he was just overcome by a desire to make her his queen so he went and requested the lady requested that he should he would she would agree she would agree to be his wife but he should never ever question what she did or she would leave him and go now what happened was uh, so After one or two years, the woman bore Shantanu uh, one son. 
So Shantanu was overjoyed, and then obviously, like it was, a, it was a male, it was a son, so a good heir for his kingdom. So he was just ecstatic, and then he was celebrating, and then later he saw his wife heading out of the party, and then he just followed her and saw her drowning his son in the river where he had found her. Same, th- he didn't question her obviously because he was scared that she would leave him. He, same thing happened to the next six sons. When the same thing was about to happen to his eighth son, he could no longer take it and went and stopped her. He questioned her. What kind of demon drowns her own children? Now, the lady smiled and explained to him that she was the goddess Ganga and her sons who were born were the eight Vasus. So basically, they were cursed to be born on uh, as a mortal on the earth. That's a different story. So they were cursed to be born as mortals on the earth, and they asked they asked to be born as Ganga's sons and be drowned in you know Ganga's waters. So what ha- uh, later what happened was he then he realized his mistake, Shantanu obviously because his wife was going to leave him now, but then she consoled him and said that. The eighth son would be left behind, but he would lead a cursed life and never be king and never marry. Uh, so Shanta, uh, Ganga then uh, took the son with her and then got him trained by the best archery like everybody. After some years, Shantanu came back to the spot where and then sat there mourning the loss of his wife when Ganga appeared there and she she gave him a beautiful young man who she proclaimed as Shantanu's son. She, uh, the, his name was Devavrata and Shantanu ecstatic like now he had an heir again. So he took him back to the palace and made him his um, like he was going to be next in line for the throne. So he went back and proclaimed that. And then after uh, two years or so, Shantanu was walking along the riverbank again. When a beautiful fragrance reached him, he went, uh, he followed the smell and it led to a small cottage where a fisherman's family lived. Uh, so then he asked who it was and it turned out to be a beautiful maiden known as Satyavati. Shantanu fell in love with her, but uh, then he asked to marry her. Her father, however, said that only if Satyavati, the maiden's sons, became the kings, only then would he allow her to be married to him. Otherwise, he couldn't. Now, Shantanu was heartbroken because Bhishma was already next in line for the throne and he was Devavrata at the time. So, he was already next in line for the throne. He was the crown prince. He was so good at everything. He was basically the perfect heir. Now, he was heartbroken. He went back home and then he just locked himself in his chambers and didn't come out for almost two weeks. Uh, now, they got very worried. Obviously, Devavrata, he got worried that his father, something had happened. He went to an old charioteer who was, like, he had worked in the family since a long time ago. When he went to see the charioteer, the charioteer told him the story. He went uh, to, he went to Satyavati's house and said that he would give up his claim to the throne. When uh, the fisherman objected that Satyavati, uh, that his sons, Devavrata's sons, would clash with Satyavati's sons for the throne, he took another oath that he would never marry. What happened was, uh, that was a huge vow to take, because then only if you had sons would you get moksha, or the highest level of heaven. So it was a huge vow to take. 
the gods showered him with flowers from the heavens proclaiming that his name was now onwards going to be bishma or the one who takes a terrible vow what ha- later what happened uh, and later he also got a boon due to his extraordinary archery and stuff he got a boon from the gods that he could choose his moment of die that so basically he could just choose whenever he wanted to die and nobody else could kill him how much ever pain he was in however old he was unless he chose to he could not die eventually satyavati and chantanu had two sons chitravirya and vichitravirya they were both uh, let's say they were not as good as devavrata or now bishma was at archery and everything else so eventually what they did, what bishma did was he decided he had to find them brides so he went to the nearby kingdom of kashi and abducted the three princesses who were being who were there for his vayambara amba ambika and ambalika he came back while he was on the way home amba told him that she was about to be married and that you know she had agreed to marry to one of the princes who she was deeply in love with and who reciprocated feelings for her and that he just rudely carried her away like that uh, bishma said that he she should have told him sooner and he would have let her go so he uh, sent her back on another chariot and she went back ambalika and ambika were married to vichitravirya and chitravirya and ambika and chitravirya had a son named dhritarashtra ambalika and vichitravirya had a son named pandu now their birth is a whole into another interesting story but let's continue with bishma now amba came back and told bishma that her betrothed had left her because now she was a lo- uh, they were all loose women in the olden days when they are abducted and then left it is you are letting down your honor if you agree to marry that person so they just like he she could not marry her anymore and he just kind of refused so she came back crying to bishma and said that she did not want to marry uh, his half brother and that she wanted to marry him because he was one who abducted her but bishma said that he had taken a vow and he would not amba was like actually now she had nobody to marry she had no future so she went back and she went back to the forest and then she became a sage she started like uh, only meditating eating very little and performing a penance to uh, shiva when she was performing the penance to shiva after a long time shiva finally appeared and she requested for a boon that uh, she would be the one to kill bhishma shiva agreed but then uh, she objected that now she was too weak to go to battle she could not do anything so shiva said that in the next life she would be the uh, she would be born as a man and would kill would be the cause for bhishma's death now amba decided that there was no point living because she had nothing else so um she just she went she tied one she tied one of her necklaces on the gate of king drupada remember him on the gate of his palace and went and jumped into the you know the homa fire that there was there uh once he once she jumped in she was reborn as she was uh, later reborn as shikhandi okay now that's another story but eventually she in the mahabharata war shikhandini she was born as a lady but later due to some boons and stuff she managed to attain manhood and now she uh, became the cause of bhishma's death in the mahabharata war bhishma had taken a vow that he would never fight against a woman on the battlefield 
so what happened after that uh, they had to kill bishma because there was no other way for them to win the war eventually they uh, krishna had the idea to bring shikandi in because he was a woman originally and now he's a man right so obviously he was still counted as a woman in bishma's eyes and so they he would not fight against him keeping shikandi in front of him arjuna shot a few arrows and managed to kill bishma so in the end a woman became the killing became the cause for the killing of the unkillable that's cool that is that just blows my mind um the way kind of there are all twists and stuff it just blows my mind i loved how he was very true to his vow and did not do what the vow did not allow him to that was so cool right i mean um it's just so diverse as you said like for like just this one topic in them there were so many components that had a further explanation so it just shows how diverse the mahabharata is and how you know i have seen so many people like just spend their whole lives um kind of devoted to studying indian myth- uh, mythology which is just mind blowing cuz just sitting here hearing just a few of these stories is just so like it's it's just so diverse so i, I can't believe how um you know how they study all of this stuff it is really mesmerizing to hear so many wonderful stories well that's the beauty of the mahabharata you know there there are some people who actually say that it is the textbook of life so if you have any problems if you just refer to the mahabharata you can solve your problems from here or the other now that's all i have for today and that's it hope this inspired you all to do your own research and follow your own passions however unconventional they may be this is ashrita signing off i had a lot of fun listening to this podcast it was so cool yes i just um it was just such a good podcast um again thank you ashrita for inviting um me so thank you so much Thank you so much Ashrita and Paul for having me here and Archana ma'am thank you so much yes thank it you it was a pleasure and thank you Archana ma'am for this wonderful opportunity i'm sure we're going to have a lovely season of podcast make sure to join my friend pearl on thursday on her podcast bye i would definitely like to okay thank you everyone bye Bye